Welcome to the Hop and Brew School podcast. My name's Justin Crosley. I'm Nick Ziegler. And we are here live at the at Homebrew Con. I keep trying to get it right. At Homebrew Con, not the National Homebrewers Conference. Anymore. I keep yeah, I, I can't keep it straight. Yeah. You know, renaming things consistently and, and, <laughs> and repetitively is a it's difficult for me. Yeah. HomebrewCon, it's in Providence, Rhode Island this year. It's good to be back on the East Coast. My, my family's from here, from Connecticut, actually. So uh, it's nice to be out here. And another, my 14th year at, at HomebrewCon, uh, which is exciting for me. We're having our 14th anniversary party this Saturday, which Yakima Chief Hops is our VIP hour sponsor which means we get to hang out with the, the real hardcore beer nerds, the, the BF beer <laughs> for that for that first hour. That should be pretty fun. I mean, hey, we've got a, what, beer geeks from uh, hailing from the fifth generation of, of, of growers here. We've got Steve Carpenter on. He's one of the founders of, of YCH. And I think I, I think I can finally correct you. I want to say sixth generation. No, actually, uh, my kids and my brother's kids would be the sixth generation. They're six. Okay. They're six. So... I'm still fifth. You're still fifth. All right. Beautiful. Uh, Steve is, like I said, one of the founders, uh, fifth generation in Yakima. So back in what, the 18... 1868, my great-great-grandfather moved into the Yakima Valley and a year later started growing hops there. So... uh, Wow. I, I can barely remember it. I was just a kid at the time. Uh, but, uh, of course. Yeah, that's a long time ago. So this, this is when you still rode the T-Rexes to harvest, right? That's right. What, what else were they growing in the valley back then? If he was maybe one of the first to do hops? Or? You know, there wasn't much. There were some tree fruits that okay. were uh, grown back then. And, and really, uh, my family, uh, my great-great-grandfather grew hops in upstate New York originally. Oh, yeah. And so the roots that he used to uh, grow the first hops in the Yakima Valley came from that farm. Okay. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of tree fruits grown there. Um, the, the, the reason that hops grow well in the Yakima Valley is it's so dry. Okay. We get irrigation water. We only get about seven inches of rainfall every year. I so see. So we can kind of control the irrigation, the hot, arid climate helps us to control the diseases. And it's just, it's a wonderful place to grow hops. But uh, so it's interesting that you say that because hops still require require a boatload of water to grow, right? They so do. they like a dry climate except a lot of water. They're thirsty. Yep, that's right. Okay. So, so irrigation is the key. We have a wonderful irrigation system. Uh, we've got reservoirs up in the Cascade Mountains that uh, accumulate the hops or, or the water, excuse me. And and then uh, also snowpack is where a lot of the water comes from. Okay. So back then in the late 1800s, who would, who would the customers ha- have been? Uh, this is Obviously, pre-prohibition. So yep. I'm thinking. I know that. I feel like craft beers kind of come full circle, right? Like now, there's a ton of breweries again, and and that was the way it was pre. So in other words, they weren't they weren't growing hops for these mass producers of beer, right? They were probably small breweries. No, actually, they were pretty large breweries. There was there was a brewing uh, community started in Portland at okay. the time. Okay. And then, uh, so my great great grandfather would take the hops with a horse and wagon. Wow. Down through the uh, Satis Pass down to the Columbia River. Okay. They would go on a barge there and then out to Portland. Okay. And a lot of them were consumed in Portland, but some of them ended up going clear around the Isthmus of, Can- of Panama back then. The okay. canal wasn't dug yet. Yeah. And across into the East Coast. Wow. So it was quite a journey to get it to the brewers. They would have gone that far. Yep. So I'm guessing not the fresh hops that we're used to at Yakima Chief now. By the time they would have gotten to the East Coast then. Yeah, but the, the main variety back then was some 
relative the cluster hop, which is a very good storing hop. Still one of our best storing hops. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it doesn't uh, oxidize very rapidly. So uh, uh, by the time they got to the brewers, they're still in pretty good shape. Do you, would they dry it out before that journey, or would it kind yeah. of... They, they would. So they still did the drying process. Still dried on the farms. A okay. little different process than what we have now, but they sure. were still dried on the farms and uh, put into roughly 200-pound bales, very similar to what we have today. Okay. And the brewers then would probably be just flabbergasted by our, like, one to two pounds per barrel of dry hopping that we do now. <laughs> we were talking low quantities back mm-hmm. then. Absolutely. <laughs> so light, light uh, pre-prohibition lagers, that wouldn't be what they called them, of course. But Yeah, uh, they're quite a bit different. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the whole hopping regime sure. uh, is, is different than it is now. Well, and, and even with all the different products that you guys have now, of course, you know, uh, pellets, but uh, cryo and extract and... We were just talking about whole flower hops going in a wagon and down the river, and yeah. Things so, have changed. Right. Things have changed. Some people still like to use them for um, either traditional reasons or uh, they're great as a, as a backup in, in a hop back because they can act as sort of a filter bed for, for the beer to prevent oh, yeah. true from getting through. But on, a, on a, an industrial scale, that's a little bit difficult to do sometimes. Sure. So, oh, thank you, sir. Well, if you want to learn more about hops, I want to remind you that the actual Hop and Brew School is happening up in Yakima. That's over Labor Day weekend, and you can go get your tickets at yakimachief.com. I'm going to be there. Nick's going to be there. Uh, I'm sure Steve will be there. I will be there. Uh, It'll be my first time going, so I'm excited. A lot of our Brewing Network staff have been, and and some of my friends, uh, they they always have a great time. So go to yakimachief.com. You can learn all about the weekend. Uh, It's both for home brewers and pro brewers, by Mm -hmm. the way. Uh, which is which I think is is unique in the industry to to mix it up like that. Yeah, we're trying to actually something a little bit new this year. You know, usually we have a couple days for the commercial brewers and a couple days for the home brewers, but we're kind of combining them over four days this year in a different track for each of the ones. And sure. Yeah, so they get to see the same keynotes and same major th- thematic talks and then breakout sessions and workshops. So you can go to whatever, I mean, whatever is most appropriate to, to your interest or your equipment size. Sure. Because you know, there are differences. I mean, most home brewers don't have a... Uh, 80 hectoliter an hour centrifuge for their for their beer. Right. <laughs> <So>. Most. <laughs> Most. You know, there are some. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, so yeah. homebrewers, come join us. If you're a Brewing Network fan, if you're just a hops fan, if you're a brewing fan, come on up to Hop and Brew School. I'll be there. We'll be recording some shows and having a good time, and I'm promised that there's a lot of beer. There's definitely a lot of beer. It's a blast. It's uh, always fun. And uh, we get a lot of people bringing some of their stuff, some of their special stuff, experimental stuff to try, so it's, it's really fun. Cool. And you'll get to see the hops from beginning to end, you know, from propagation to pint in the, uh, you know, from as we're, you know, making crosses and, and getting re- just getting ready to harvest. So we, some of the varieties will have just started harvest then. Uh, yeah. So it's a good, good chance to get, I mean, our mission is to connect uh, brewers with hop growers, family hop growers. Good chance to get out to the farms and yeah. meet some of the growers and actually see a hop harvest in progress. Yeah, absolutely. It is, it is pretty dang impressive. That's one of my, one of my favorite things to do is Harvest season is crazy hectic, but man, is it, it's beautiful and fun. Yeah. So, Well, today we're going to be talking about the Yakima Chiefs Green Chief program. But before we get into that, I am looking at Steve Carpenter's baseball card. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Steve, you're a big baseball fan. I am a huge baseball fan. Yep. <laughs> and you have your own baseball card. Uh, the, the team name on here is the... The Crewport Cluster Fuggets. Yes. <laughs> Tell us Crew- about Cluster Fuggets. So let me start with Crewport. Crewport is just a little blip in the map. Okay. It's, it's a little community that was created uh, years ago for farm workers to have housing. And okay. it's not very far from my family's farm. So 
Uh, evidently, the marketing department needed to come up with a name of a town for the cluster fuggets, and they thought, <laughs> what better appropriate name than Crewport? Absolutely. So, so yeah, it was uh, a blend that we came up with. Uh, I think Gettle and I were... I can't remember if it was over a beer or breakfast down in Oregon, but we just started talking about having some fun with some of our blends because we do quite a few blends. Mm -hmm. For Some of them are charity blends. Some Mm -hmm. of them are actually blends designed to help brewers make better beer. You've got one about to come out, the Veteran Blend? Veteran's Blend. Veteran's Blend. Mm -hmm. So so the the cause-based blends, yeah, we've got Veterans, Pink Boots, uh, Falconer's Flight, and some of those are organized around... um, Scholarship opportunities like Pink Boots is yep. for scholarship for women in brewing, and uh, Falcon we, uh, Flight was a homebrewers, I think, uh, uh, for homebrewers to get scholarships to be to go to school and become mm-hmm. brewers. Okay, yep. so and become pro brewers. And Pink Boots, I think we raised like a hundred thousand dollars. Wow, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a significant quantity of support cash. women. That's awesome. Women in brewing, in brewing, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I love this. So you're sitting around, you're talking about your blends. We're talking about blends. I said, you know, we we got to take some uh, some fuggle from Oregon. And, and maybe some nuggets, and then maybe blend in some clusters, and let's call it Cluster Fugget. And nice. Gettle just, he just, he's like, we, we're going to do this. Yeah. And I didn't know at first he was serious. Yeah. You know? And then all of a sudden, two weeks ago, he says, hey, we got your card done. Nice. And he hands me my baseball card, and I'm looking at that. Going, and it's the Cluster Fugget. So, Nick, on, on one of our, our previous episodes, Nick told me about this, and I didn't think he was serious either. Yeah. And he was like, I want to talk about Cluster Fugget on the episode, and I want to call it that. And all I could think of was corporate Alex yelling at me that we're saying Cluster Fugget all over the show. And I was like, there's no way this is, they're not going to allow it. It's not a real thing. Yeah. It's a real thing. It, it's a real thing, and, and we're introducing it here at the, uh, the Home Brew Con because... We, we the home brewers. I mean, these guys are passionate about their hops. Yeah, and, yeah. And the the reason they make beer is they want to have fun. And so we thought this would be a fun thing to do for the home brew conference and uh, for me to tie it into baseball. Um, that was just a bonus. I, I love this. I love the tie-in. I'm looking at a bag of Cluster Fugget blend right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corporate Alex, is this available yet on the app? This one's available on the brand new app. You can go search Yakima Chief in the App Store. It's easy to do. Nick did it while we were broadcasting. Yeah. And then I got to that check out really the app. Quick. And uh, you can go uh, get yourself some uh, Cluster Fugget. Also, I just want to mention again because I was amazed by it. Ninety-nine cent. Cascade on there right now. Which I think it's a specific for the for for, for HomebrewCon and the launch of the app here. So it's a free shipping, two ounces of Cascade for ninety nine cents on the Yakima Chief uh, yep. app right now. And then while you're there, get yourself some some cluster fugget. So I'm gonna I'm gonna open it up and see if we can smell this. All right, I, I that'd be great. Out yet. And we do have the beer in front of us that Tommy brewed for, at our little pilot brewery. So this oh, is the uh, cluster fugget mild. Or is it a mild cluster fugget? Okay. <laughs> so it's uh, it's not, not not too severe. And this but, has uh, this this is it has the cluster. In it. So yep. tell me about the blend. Uh, what is this made up of? So it's Fuggles, Nuggets, and Cluster. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> it does what it says on the tin. I feel like I should, have, I should have been able to guess that. I'm not exactly a rocket oh, surgeon. And I was able to it. kind of figure that one out. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, here we go. I'm, gonna, I'm grinding it up. Oh, wait. Wait, wait, wait. I have my all-new Yakima Chief Hop Grinder. Oh, you got to use that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some, you guys are potheads there or something. This is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I put too much in there. But I'm going to grind it up. 
Is it supposed to land in the bottom? Is that how this works? I think it goes down below the uh, below the teeth. So you t- so the magnetic. Yeah, there you go. I'm so. pretending I've never used a yeah. grinder before. <laughs> the voice of, the right voice now, of experience over yeah. here. Yeah. To my right. Uh, all right. Let's I'm see. I'm getting a bad let's rap see. here. Let's see. It made it through the screen. I, I failed. Mm. It has a little shovel in the bottom of your. <laughs> you guys are druggies or something. No, it says on top of the screen. It sits sec- on top. No, the second, the second. So if you uh, unscrew those two pieces together. Oh, oh okay. man, this All is right. way too complicated. I know, right? I should have just. Couldn't I just grind it up in my hands? All right, there's a little. I got like a little bit out of it. Oh, that smells nice. Yeah, that's a that's a really nice blend. It, it, it's clean. Yeah. It's a, I wouldn't call it a dank blend. I'd call it like a citrusy, clean, crisp blend. Uh, nice floral. It's got a good amount of geraniol in it, so that's going to give, give you some really interesting effects uh, during fermentation and uh, through the uh, complex changes that some of the molecules undergo and some of the compounds undergo during during the process. But yeah. uh, this uh, so where's the bag again? Yeah. Here it is. Here it is. It's nice. Here it is. Uh, so if you look at the uh, eight point one percent alpha as uh-huh. well. Uh, kind of middle of the road there. Yeah? You guys want some cluster fugget? Brew with that. People walking by the booth here. We're live at Home Brewcon. So, uh, I can't... Hi, I'm Justin. It's nice to meet you. But uh, I don't like germs either. uh, But I just... I washed my hands in hops. So, I'm fine. Uh, We are broadcasting live. So, we got people hanging out at Home Brewcon. And we're just handing out hops and and hats and shirts Mm -hmm. and you name it. so, Cheers. what do you, this right here, this is a hop grinder. I would give it to you, but I'm in love with it, and so I'm taking it home with me. But I bet you can find one at the Yakima Chief Hops booth, right which has you. the largest uh, footprint at, uh, I think, at Homebrewcom. But the smallest CO2 footprint. Oh, we okay. hope. You hope. Cool. We're trying for it. Great. <laughs> big feet, big feet for big footprints for hop kind. This, this no, is this why is, you're not in the marketing department. Exactly. This is. Yeah, I'm surprised they even let me speak on the microphone. Yeah, leave that to Alex. Well, here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to take ourselves a, a quick break so that we can enjoy this this mild. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little more about the beer, and we're going to learn about the uh, Yakima Chief's Green Chief program, Excellent. Uh, which, of course, is is quality control, and, and we're going to find out about the whole supply chain and how we end up with the freshest hops possible yep. uh, in our hand. So hang in there. You're listening to the Hop and Brew School podcast and we'll be right back welcome back to the program thanks for hanging out with us here on the hop and brew school podcast we're live uh at homebrew con in providence rhode island meeting a lot of people here a lot of homebrewers boy this conference has grown uh and it's good to see everybody uh mostly though it's nice to be my booth is positioned right by the yakima chief hops booth so it constantly i'm getting whiffs of fresh hops coming over here (laughs) Which is better than the whiffs we usually get at home at a home at any beer at any beer conference. So I'm really enjoying this right now. Um, I've also got the new uh, cluster fugget blend in front of me, uh, and so that smells uh, really nice as well. So as promised, uh, I wanted to talk about the Green Chief program, and and honestly, I, I'm not familiar with it. So you guys are going to have to walk me through what this is and, and why it exists. So Steve, tell me about sure, this. Sure, be happy to, Justin. It's it's really a program that's designed to capture everything we do in the supply chain to help our customers make great beer. Okay, and and it's not just quality, although that's very important for us. Uh, but it's sustainability. Uh, our company is owned by 11 family farmers who all of them want to leave the environment a little bit better than they found it. And they're multi-generational families, so that's important to them. 
I want to hang up on that just for one second sure. because I don't even know that we've discussed that. It, I think it's important to know that Yakima Chief is owned by farmers. They are. That, that, that you that these you said eight. Uh, There's 11. 11, 11, 11 have come owners. together to, to do this. They're, they're grower owners. That's right. Which I think is significant because it's not some, uh, you know, you're not some parent company over here yep. that, is, that is separate from the farms. That's true. And I think most of our grower owners look at Yakima Chief as really an extension of their farms. Okay. And uh, so we're making that connection. We actually have Rick Silve with us, one of our grower owners who's okay. with us. And, and your family has a farm? My family does have a farm as well, uh-huh. and, and they're all back home busy right now because okay. it's uh, right after the training season, and the hops are getting up to the wire. Sure. We like to have them up there around the 4th of July so that uh, when that day length is right and bloom starts, you've got a good uh, base of a plant there to, I see. to grow a full crop. Okay. So um, it starts there. I want to just pause on that for a second, but the whole Green Chief program really starts with the growers. It mm-hmm. does. Okay. Um, and, and then from there, we have a, you know, before it ever gets into my glass, mm-hmm. uh, you guys even have a saying, Nick, right? From, uh, uh, not, not from farm to glass. It's a different well, uh, uh, propagation uh, to pint. Is yeah, that propagation it? to pint is okay. it, but why I'm not in marketing is my original one was farm to face. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this is exactly what. Just stay in the lab, Nick. <laughs> I, you know, they don't even let me go there anymore. Yeah. My, my Excel hand is getting pretty good, but yes. that's about it. So, so the Green Chief program uh, was designed, so it starts with the farmers. It does. Okay. It, it starts there, and what I tell our growers every year, that's where quality really begins. Okay. And really, our job is to preserve that quality in our part of the supply chain at Yakima Chief. And so we work very closely with our growers. We actually have a series of seminars that we do, a part of our Green Chief program, and we discuss anywhere from... Uh, uh, pest control measures. Uh, it's very collaborative. We get these growers together and have these discussions about pest control, about water management, about drying hops. Uh, we've recently kind of layered in some corporate social responsibility things. Okay. Uh, because we, we really do believe that uh, our company will be stronger if we're focused on making our communities healthy okay mm-hmm. so we do a whole host of things back uh, to our communities and to the communities where our growers grow hops um, also uh just generally sustainability sure is important to us you got to protect and the yakima valley we, we do and and so we've got uh, an lca which is a life cycle assessment project okay uh that we're in the midst of right now working with our growers to both reduce our carbon footprint and our water footprints on the farm. Okay. That's extremely important to a lot of our, especially our craft customers. And uh, let's be honest, farming, like brewing, can can be inefficient. It can. So if you don't focus on these things, it's really nothing will happen. Yep. We, we talk about a focus on continuous improvement mm-hmm. okay. in, in our entire company and with our growers. Okay. Uh, as good as we get at creating quality, reducing our footprints, we can always get better. Sure. And, and so part of that is just developing some metrics. That was the reason we did the life cycle assessment program. We just kind of make some benchmarks to I measure see. where we are and to identify some low-hanging fruit in terms of improving that. Sure. I bet you're learning a lot as that, as that life cycle uh, assessment goes on. We are. I mean, one of the things that we learned with our pilot program last year, for example, was um, in our part of the supply chain where we're taking in the hops and processing and shipping them. Yeah. Uh, it's really a small part of that carbon footprint. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where, where the carbon footprint is, is with the growers. 
Interesting. And, and so their passion for improving the environment has got them motivated to be part of this LCA project that we're doing. Sure. And, and they're motivated to find out how they're doing and how they can improve. So it's interesting that you say that, I, and I would have been surprised to find that out too. When I, th- I was kind of assessing my own uh, habits as a, as an avid Amazon shopper, for example, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm thinking like since I've done that, I've I have increased my carbon footprint more than I care to admit. The packaging, the shipping, sure. the so again, I would I would have been surprised to find out that that maybe what from what you guys do until it gets to me is still not even the biggest part yeah. of the carbon footprint. It's, yeah. it's really interesting to look at it from from sort of the farming ag- agronomical and technical perspectives because inputs that go into you know traditional farming methods or I guess more not traditional but more modern I guess even um, sort of all the transportation costs associated with that all the weight yeah. of moving material around all the petroleum that's used in producing a lot of the fertilizers yeah um, you know you you have to you have to drill down I mean not quite down to the mine level where you got the steel for the turbines and the pumps mm-hmm. but not too far off of that yeah and you know that's something that that is really important for farmers to pay attention to and growers to pay attention to because their their scale of efficiencies from the beginning, you know, you can't make it any cheaper yeah. by processing it down the road. Right. It's just going to add cost. Every, every, every other step is going to add cost. But it's still important, but it's going to add cost. It's going to add cost. Yeah. And, and so looking at trying to get the best quality uh, and the most bang for your buck by paying attention to the resources that we use and how we use them and when we use them is really a big, a big thrust in this LCA. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're also looking from uh, doing a lot of research into seeing how we can help growers reduce their inputs and achieve uh, at bare minimum the same quality, if not greater quality. It's that continuous improvement mm-hmm. approach. And it's so is this the area in, in our industry, in the beer industry, where you expect to see the most innovation, like the, you know, the current innovation? You know, we've talked about cultivating new hop varieties and things like that, which are exciting, mm-hmm. but I, I, it sounds to me like we're going to find that farmers and, and folks like you are going to innovate on this process to reduce the carbon footprint and, and we're efficiency. We're certainly trying. Yeah. That's, that's the goal. Okay. That, that's what we want to try to achieve. And, and we pull all these things together into what we call the Green Chief program. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, we actually require our growers who deliver hops to us to be part of this, to come to the seminars. Uh, and to subject their facilities to inspection. Okay. A very high percentage of hops compared mm-hmm. to maybe 15 years ago are used post-fermentation, mm-hmm. are used as dry hopping. So right. we want to make sure that our facilities are clean, that they're uh, sanitized, uh, okay. that we aren't, uh, you know, that those, a lot of those, more of those hops are going right into the beer that we drink. Sure. I actually haven't even thought about that part. Homebrewers always ask about putting other adjuncts into beer and how mm-hmm. to sanitize them. But let's, even just hops, you're dry hopping with something that needs to be as clean as possible. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So unless our growers pass a facility inspection process, uh, we won't take hops from them. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we want to make sure they've got good rodent control, good bird control. Yeah. Uh, and uh, make sure those hops uh, are going to go into the beer and they're going to be clean and safe and, sure. and sanitary. You're now the health department for beer. I appreciate this. We As really a germaphobe, are. I appreciate yep. this. Yeah. <laughs> we really, really... So you have outlined these standards and procedures that, that your, that your mm-hmm. growers uh, must follow. Yep. Okay. And it's actually right under the contract that they have to adhere to our Green Chief Program standards before they can 
can uh, deliver hops to us. Okay. So you, you've mentioned a couple of them. I wonder if we can mm-hmm. go through some more. But sanitation, uh, cleanliness, uh, trying to follow some sustain, sustainability practices. Yep. What else might be in these standards? Uh, so attending a series of seminars that we have for our growers, uh, participating. So best in, practice and knowledge sharing, I think. That's right. Mm-hmm. And, and, it's oh, very, and sharing, too. Yeah. It's oh, very yeah. collaborative. Okay. And, and it's surprising because a lot of times farmers are very independent and they don't want everyone to know. Yeah. What we've got is a group of growers. And it's just not, it's not just our 11 grower owners. Mm-hmm. Okay. We, if there are 60 families growing hops in the Pacific Northwest, we're doing business with about 50 of them. I thought wow. it was 57 uh, last count. Oh, really? <laughs> Almost all. Almost okay. all of them. Wow. And, and the ones that aren't doing business with us, it's kind of by design. We, we really want the top growers that have bought into this program. Okay. And uh, so that's a big part of it. Uh, and and it, you probably developed the program with the growers. It's not as if you sat over here and came up with all these rules yep. on your own. And it helps that we're a grower-owned company because they've really driven this whole process. Sure. And as part of the management team, they've directed us to go and put this thing together. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so quality is a big part of it as well. Uh, I think we're the only hop company that's actually taking uh, the annual uh, quality criteria from oil content to alpha content to HSI, okay. all of the analytical data. Plus, uh, we have this app now that the brewers use when they come to do selection. Okay. And it's almost a real-time sharing with the growers what the brewers are saying about their hops. Really? Mm-hmm. And that whole program, that whole feedback program is designed to give growers the tools they need to tweak their harvest states and to tweak their fertilizer program and whatnot wow. to really nail that hop that uh, our brewer customers want. So give me an idea about that. So you have the brewers out in the field, out on the, on the farms, and you arm them with this app. Mm-hmm. And they're just taking notes on, on their sensory? No, no. no they, the, these are the hops that are delivered to ah. Yakima Chief mm-hmm. okay. and then presented to them for selection. Okay. And so, yeah, they are uh, making comments. Uh, there's been some kind of some interesting comments the last mm-hmm. couple of years that the brewers have put together. Okay. And um, we, we use those to sort of uh, align uh, the, the hops that we select with brewers' requests or interests. Um, and so we'll, we, you know, we profile our sensory panelists. So when we take notes, we know that we're talking the same language as the brewers. Mm-hmm. We profile the brewers based on their historical data of selection. And we profile our hops, sensory and, and analytically. And putting all those things together, you start to get, get, build a picture. I mean, we, we've discussed many times how different brewers have different intents and different requests or different desires from their hops. Yeah. So, you know, the, the one I always use as an example is me and you and Jeremy from Lagunitas. Mm-hmm. We have very different approaches to what we want necessarily from a given hop. And Simcoe is the one that I think is always... It a, comes up, yeah. It comes up. Um, <clears throat> but doing that allows us to really make sure that brewers are getting what they want because what you want may not be what I want, may not be what somebody else desires for their beer. Right. And that's one of the things that we try to do is in doing all this analysis, we're actually celebrating the variety of flavor and, and, and aroma, aromatic options in or the characteristics of, of these hops. So, you know, your citra won't be the same as my citra necessarily, unless it's a big group blend. Like, so on a homebrew scale, mostly it'll be about the same. Okay. Uh, because just volume volume requirements. Um, but the, the characteristics that come out are, uh, you know, things that we 
have felt that are really good quality, but also that we've involved growers and brewers on. Because, I mean, growers see the hops every day yeah. for their entire life, and brewers use them every day. Right. And so we, we really spent, we spent a lot of time working with them, but... Put these two experiences together. But, yep, put well, them let together. Me, let me give an example that I, I think you're talking about. I was talking to a brewer recently, and I was surprised to hear this. He likes his hops, and I forget exactly which strain, but we could probably call it Simcoe. Um, really on the verge of overripe. He, mm-hmm. And in fact, his words were, I like it when the, the garlic and onion is almost becoming too much. Not mm-hmm. not overboard. And that surprised me because I thought, wow, the, the garlic and onion is like a subtlety in, in that most people like. But that was kind of his point. He blends them in such a way that it ends up subtle. But when he buys that particular strain, he wants it almost pungent garlic and Mm -hmm. onion. And that kind of surprised me. I thought that would be sort of an off. But this particular brewer blends in such a way that that's what he was looking for. And and that's sort of what we've talked about before in previous episodes about blending hops to achieve the result that you want. And so you know that, for example, the the files that that provide the uh, OG or onion garlic character, most people don't like them. But in tiny amounts or as a part of a larger whole, they actually sort of make your nose and your brain wake up. Like in your food, by the way. We use garlic and onion in our food in the exact same way. And I use garlic and onion as actually a food group. So uh, (laughs) I'm not always the best best choice or best person to choose from on this. Right, yeah. (laughs) And oddly, I don't like it in my beer. I like it in my food. Sure. But this is an example of what you're talking about. So you might Mm -hmm. take those notes from a brewer, Mm -hmm. get them back to the farmer who might uh, harvest at a a time where the the garlic and onion is just right. Right. Mm -hmm. Because the data that he's getting back from us is not only the data from his farm, but it's confidential data from everybody who's delivered to us. I so if he is delivering Simcoe, for example, he or she, mm-hmm. uh, he's able to look at what his uh, analysis is based yeah. on picking dates and compare it with everybody else. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then he also looks at uh, how many times his hops are presented for selection, how many times it's chosen. Oh, that's and, interesting. Yeah. So they're they take this. It's it's so interesting. We we've, we've uh, we're trying to figure out how to get real time quality reports back to growers. Mm-hmm. But traditionally, hey, we, I'll trade them for spray records. <laughs> that's important too. Uh, but we try to get that to them by the hop convention in January, yeah. and it's it's kind of like a, a, a class getting their grades, their mm-hmm. final right. grades. Right. They just want to go on the corner. They want to look at it. Get a sealed report. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That would be fun. Like fun and scary and you know, make me a little nervous. Yep. I can see why you're a baseball guy, right? <laughs> Baseball's like a game of statistics. It really is. And this is what you guys are doing with hops. It's That's a very good analogy. It's one part of it, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I uh, I used to produce a, a baseball show, and, and uh, Marty Lurie's his name. He does. He, he's now one of the pregame guys for the San Francisco Giants. Okay. And his uh, saying always was... Uh, that baseball is a talking sport. And what he meant was that we just pour over these numbers and these analytics so that we can learn more about the player, about the team, about the game, Mm -hmm. which is exactly what you guys are doing. The player being maybe, maybe the farmer, right? The team being all of you together, the game being the beer. Like you guys are really doing this with numbers. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't think you can really improve anything until you have those baseline metrics to work with. Sure. And that's an attempt to do exactly that for the growers. Yeah. And so they know not only their numbers compared to everybody else, but they know their numbers compared to last year. Okay. And so they can see if they're getting a better. That makes sense. Yeah. 
And 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 you're right. Without these numbers, even brew, you know, some of the bre- the best brewers are saying the same thing. If you're not marking down, you've talked about it, Nick. Mm-hmm. Everything about your brew day, everything about your fermentation, you're not going to learn how you got there, mm-hmm. how to fix it, how to change it, what direction to improve it, and what direction any interventions you've made have 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 done to your beer yeah. or your or your hops. And so we're really we're really moving towards data driven decision making. Um, and we're, we've always been there, but we're really investing heavily into it. Uh, sure. And the Green Chief and, and the Green, Green Chief Quality Program is a massive part of that. And one of the things that I think is actually really important to, to highlight is the fact that we do include the CSR, so computer, or was it, is it corporate social responsibility, mm-hmm. uh, as, as a very important metric within the Green Chief program. So if, sure. you, if you're down on any of these things, you know, you get, you get sort of ranked. Uh, and if you're not in the green, if you're not above, above a 90% plus sort of achievement rate, you know, we, we request that you improve. Ah, I thought you were going to say you're out, but you're, you're, <laughs> you're, you have to work on these things. Yeah, I mean, it's continuous <laughs> improvement, not continuous firing. Yeah, uh, so. understood. All right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more about this program. We're going to talk more about how we get quality hops in our in my glass of beer, which is really what the important part is, isn't it? Hang in there. You're listening to the Hop and Brew School podcast, and we are live from HomebrewCon in Providence, Rhode Island. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Hop and Brew School podcast. We are broadcasting live from HomebrewCon in Providence, Rhode Island. I always love coming here for several reasons, not the least of which is that somebody just delivered us a five-gallon bucket full of beer. <laughs> it's from, by the way, they're cans of beer. It's not just full of open beer. <laughs> it's not somebody's slop. Okay. Let me be clear. Uh, but the, the, the beer team here who handles, by the way, the largest beer competition on earth, uh, the National Homebrew Competition as part of this, it was the beer team who came by and they were like, you guys look like you need this while you're broadcasting all day. So homebrewers are amazing, right? This is a good awesome. team uh, of people. So we're talking about the, the Green Chief program today at Yakima Chief. You can go to yakimachief.com. You can learn about it there. You can learn about the actual Hop and Brew School uh, that you can go join us at. Um, and you can find out about the, the many varieties of hops that you guys uh, work with, too. How, as part of the Green Chief program, is, is quality control of the hop varieties themselves a, a part of it where you set out the standards for those? Yeah, it is. Actually, uh, it's it's not technically part of the Green Chief program, but it's certainly part of our supply chain, Okay, is our footprints program. So when we have a new variety that we release, and release not only to brewers, but to growers, uh, we have an army of interns mm-hmm. that come into the fields this time of the year, and they walk through the hop yards, and they make sure that every hop is... Uh, true to type. Okay. So any off types uh, get rogued out immediately. Mm-hmm. They're also looking to make sure there's no males out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, male plants and hops is not good. I females. see. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people don't know that hops are dioecious. You have male plants, you have female plants. Sure. And just like human beings, the males are pretty useless except for breeding. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, <laughs> w- will they ruin a crop as well if there's males in there? Like, does it spread? Is it that kind of thing? Well, the male plant will create pollen, which will create seed in I the see. females. I see. And that seed has absolutely no brewing value. Sure. It just adds weight without any brewing value. So our customers typically don't like seeded hops. Same as, I hope you don't mind me saying, but like everybody kind of, same with, with marijuana, for example. You don't want seeds in that. That was, You don't want that sort of cross pollination. Mm-hmm. Yep. The same thing. Okay. Yep. Yep. 
and, and marijuana is dioecious too, I think, right, Nick? Uh, yes, but with some hermaphroditic tendencies, so they could actually flip and, and pollinate themselves. Oh, okay. freaky um, little plant. It is. Um, <laughs> so these are things you're looking for. So you're, when your interns go out there, I'm, I'm trying to picture what the, they must have a, a manual or a tablet or something where they're really able to evaluate on the fly. The, yeah, and they actually have GPS on their little cell phones. Oh, yeah. If they see something, they can locate it. Nice. And then make sure they to go within back. inches. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's really, it's, it's pretty exciting. Okay. Uh, what we can do with new technology there. Was it, so they, was it Steve who said the, uh, the the best fertilizer for hops is the farmer's footprints? Yeah, that in, was in actually Steve's dad, Barney. Oh, God okay. rest his soul. He yeah. uh, uh, helped us start Yakima Chief way back when. But, uh, yeah, the best fertilizer you can make for your hops is footprints. So you got to get out there. Yep, that's that's how they uh, came up with the name for the program. Okay. Uh, but that's very important for us. You know, we put all this work into developing new varieties. We want to keep them pure. And, and we don't want any off types in there uh, that people are buying Simcoe or Citra and Mosaic from us. They want it to be the same every year. Sure. And not to have any off types. So okay, uh, that's an important part of our supply chain, too. Sure. So on top of all of this obvious quality control, making sure that we're getting what we need, uh, that they're following a program, that the, that the varieties are what they should be. Do you still get excited, though, about new varieties and the cultivating of, of new strains? I'm just trying to think of how long you've been at this, Steve, and what you still get excited about. I am very excited when we come out with a new variety. Okay. When I was in my former life as a hop grower, mm-hmm. as a young hop grower, we grew cluster. Okay, yep. And it was early cluster. Okay. It was late cluster. You had your E2s, you had your L8s, and you had kind of your land race strain that was kind of right in the middle all right and that was it okay and and they were known throughout the world as yakimas oh no kidding yeah. i didn't know that okay and, and uh uh of course used primarily for for bittering uh they were an alpha very stable hop mm-hmm. uh probably in that uh six to seven percent alpha range okay and that's what we grew so a great product but somewhat mundane I guess. Absolutely. Okay. And and so when uh, things like Galena and Nugget and some of these other varieties started coming out yeah. that had higher alpha content, that was exciting for us. Okay. But I don't think, uh, you know, my grandfather, uh, who died a few years ago, I don't think he could ever envision us growing 100-plus different types of hop varieties. Sure. All designed to help our craft brewery customers, who are really artist uh, in their hearts, yeah. have a little different color on yeah. that palate to create a new flavor and aroma profile on their beer. I wonder if your grandfather not only couldn't have imagined it, but would think it's a big pain in the ass what you guys do with a hundred <laughs> different varieties. He, he probably would. Probably. I, I didn't realize you knew my grandfather, <laughs> Justin. Well, I'm just I'm kind of a lazy guy myself, and like I love that we have all these varieties so that brewers, like you say, yeah. have a palate to work with, but. It makes your life much more difficult than it could be. It's, it's more challenging. Yeah, you got to keep the varieties separate in the kilns, and you can't mix them because, you, again, you want a pure variety to give to your, sure. your customers. And uh, what was it? What was it? We, were, we were undergoing an SKU, SKU rationalization program about a year ago, yeah. and then we added up, ended up adding. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> a bunch of like, oh, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> well, luckily, you guys love beer as much as the brewers and us. Otherwise, I really don't think we'd be here today talking about 100-plus different varieties. Yeah. I've mentioned it before that uh, 
Steve Carpenter and Jason Peralt are two people, or two of the people who are, and you know, the Smiths and everybody else who's been involved in this are the people who are most responsible for beer, getting beer to where it is today. Sure. Because the development of these varieties, the, the care and attention paid to these, uh, to, you know, every, all the work that you guys did, I mean, the whole history of it is, is pretty fascinating from, you know, throughout the 80s and the, the, the lean, the, the bad times, the bad yep. place. <laughs> um, and, uh, but also know, the vision to see that the maybe things the, were going to change. And the self-trust. You know, that, that was really, it's really inspiring. And Jason yeah. did talk, we have an episode with him you should go back to, and I'm sure we'll talk to him again in the future. But I, I found that fascinating that growing hops is a, is a long game. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. But craft beer, to me, it seems like it changed so rapidly that I don't know how you guys keyed into that long game with it changing so quickly. Yeah, I, I think our vision was it had to change. Mm-hmm. Because I, when I was a young guy growing hops, there was no transparency whatsoever. You know, and we didn't have brewers come to our hop farms, which is just amazing. Some of these young folks that are in our company now to explain there was a time in the hop industry where brewers didn't come to the farm. Sure. What? Yeah. We have, you know, any given day on my family's farm, they'll have, during harvest, they'll have five to ten brewers out there. Mm-hmm. And they love it. Yeah. And that's why they have the tap room uh, up in I the was, new, was new to harvest facility. Oh, yeah. Just because they have the brewers that come and... and they want to taste some beer made from the hops that they're, they've seen harvested that day. Right. Uh, but uh, So really, it couldn't have been any other way. It's kind of, you know, I'm saying it, it's amazing that you keyed into this, but you're kind of saying it, there couldn't have been another way. Uh, it had to go with the way craft beer was going. Yeah, because uh, the old system had kind of a merchant in the middle of the grower and the brewer. Yeah. And so what we saw was wrong with the system is the two most important parts of the supply chain, the end user and the grower, didn't have a a forum or a mechanism for communicating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And And, and the best restaurants on earth have the same experience, by the way. They're connected with the people who grow their food, whether that be an animal or a a plant. Mm -hmm. Uh, So why why should it be any different with beer? Well, that's right. And you go into any craft brewery now. Mm -hmm. I always like to go in and and sit next to that guy that's got the sampler out there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and just get close enough to hear. These guys and gals want to hear the story behind the raw materials and what they're consuming. Yeah. And that's where I think, uh, as a grower-owned company, we can be even more successful by telling that story and, and giving the consumers an idea and it's not just the story of who the grower is but what are they doing to make their communities better mm-hmm. what are they doing to make the environment better yeah uh what are they doing in terms of innovation and new flavors and and, and aromas that they can bring to that beer yeah and that's the exciting thing for me yeah i think that'll continue okay like one of the one of the fun I, I remember you and i think it was you and mike smith and eric talking or rick talking about um how you know, 15, 20 years ago, you'd have been astounded to hear somebody mentioning a hop variety by name. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, and, and now people are going, oh, what you got with citron? What you got with mosaic? And yeah. what you got, yeah. Somebody in a bar, you mean, a, a yeah, regular sure. consumer saying something yeah. like that. Yeah. That is very different. And people are, people are picking beers based on the hop varieties. Which yeah. Is, uh, I don't know. It's kind of, feels kind of good. It does. I wonder, I feel, I'm thinking of Sierra Nevada right now and the fact, you know, one of the, 
back in the day, right when they started, one of the hoppiest beers you know ever mm-hmm. a, ever brewed at the at the time. And they even back then on their label, they started talking about what hops are in that beer. Mm-hmm. Centennial, right? They put the sea hops on there. Cascade. Um, the, and, and I don't think that that was really done before. They, mm-hmm. a, a brewery might have said only the finest malt hops and water, right? Whatever they say. <laughs> but not nothing by name. Yep. Mm-hmm. And boy, how things have changed. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. now you can, you can actually get a lot of, a lot of beers from, from some craft breweries, and they basically have the entire uh, recipe on the back. Yeah. Not all the process steps, maybe, but, but it's like, oh, yeah, we you know, went for this gravity, went for this, and you know, here's, here are the grains we used, here are the hops we used. And part of this allergen reporting, but the other part of it is, you know, as brewers, we we like knowing that stuff, and yeah. we appreciate the the information that, that that's out there. So. I, I actually think there will be a day not too far in the future where every bottle or can of beer will have a, a little what do you call those things, Nick? Where you can look at the QR label. code. Oh, the Q, QR, QR code. QR yeah. code. And you can actually look at that and know what that can of beer has contributed to the carbon footprint and water footprint. Yeah. I, I think that day is, is out there, and we hope to be on the cutting edge of that because I think it's important to keep our consumers uh, up to date with what's going on with these farms. And, sure. And to, I mean, it's, it's you know, we, we, it was, I, was at, I was just at the ASBC, the American Society for Brewing Chemists uh, convention in New Orleans, which is crazy uh, and really cool. But, you know, the, the glo- sort of the global standard of the best quality for, for water to beer ratio is about between 3 and 3.3 liters per liter. Okay. So this is, you know, what that would be 12, so 3.3, so that would be almost a gallon of water to make a quart of right. beer. Wow. Mm-hmm. Which is something to, to, to bear in mind. And it's, yeah. um, you know, you can drive it down, but then, you know, but you, it's, it, it, it goes into, and that's just the liquid side. That's on the beer side. Not even sure. counting all the water we use for sure. hops and all that stuff. And so it's a, it's a big, it, you know, it's something to, it's something to consider. Mm-hmm. And, and through the entire supply chain, it's, I'm glad that you guys are doing it on the farm side. I've been to, you know, some of the more progressive, and they're a bit larger too, but some of the more progressive craft breweries are doing their own water reclamation, their oh, own yeah. water treatment mm-hmm. uh, right on site. Firestone has a water treatment plant right behind them. Lagunitas, Sierra uh, Nevada, Anderson Valley has ha- Anderson Valley was one of the first, I think, mm-hmm. to do that. Uh, yeah, Sierra. Uh, so it's happening on the beer side. They're trying to be more efficient. Mm-hmm. So I, I think what you're saying, Steve, too, is w- w- why wouldn't we be doing that on the agriculture side yep, as well. Absolutely. It's it's vitally important. Yeah. It's important to our customers. It helps us create value to them by yeah. us doing what we can to reduce our carbon and water footprints. And uh, so it's important that we do it right. And, and it only becomes more important. In and the it's, a, it's yep. important for the communities as well. You know, this is, this is, this is That's helping. Point. The, the more sustainable we make this industry, the longer it'll be around. That's right. Uh, and, you know, that means that, you know, our wonderful farms and, and, and the community that's built up around these crops will continue to exist and improve and develop. And that's, I think that's something we, we take very seriously. And I think that's something that people should be proud of. Yeah. 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 Kind of of a big deal. Well, keep it up. If you want to learn more about this, you should attend Hop and Brew School. It's over Labor Day weekend. You can go to yakimachief.com, and you can learn about the Green Chief program there. Uh, you can obviously find out about all the multitude of varieties that they offer, including the the blend Cluster Fugget, uh, <laughs> which you should check out while you're getting your 99-cent Cascade hops right now. Uh, Steve, thanks for being on the program. I appreciate you My hanging pleasure, out with us. My pleasure, Justin. Yep. I look forward to talking to you more. I think in another podcast we're going to be talking a little more about baseball. 
baseball and some more about statistics. So Would I'm looking it. forward to that. Would love um, it. I'm going to have you sign my baseball card before you go. All right. So I can keep my uh, Crewport Cluster Fuggets baseball card right there. Um, hey, does anybody want a Yakima Chief hat? Because I got a couple right here. Yeah, I see you right I got two hands. We got one there and one back there. Come on up. Uh, we'll give away some Yakima Chief Ops. Come by the booth if you're at Homebrew Con. Thanks for hanging out with us here. Uh, we'll be back with more Hop and Brew School uh, in the very near near future. And, uh, Nick, keep up the good work. Everyone's loving what you do with us here. No, dude, it's a, it's an honor. I, I've said, I think I've said that before online. I don't know uh, who had the harebrained idea, but uh, it's... It's been great. Yeah. It's it's been fun. And I'm pretty sure it was your harebrained idea, and I'm thankful for it. Our listeners have been loving all the info. I'm thankful you you agreed to it, so he took a risk. (laughs) So, all right, dude. Thanks a lot again. All right, folks. We'll see you on the next Hop and Brew School podcast. Take care of yourselves and your beer.